0: Abby Strauss, and welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. Phil Heller is a psychologist in Boca Raton, Florida. He has an extensive background in forensic work and has evaluated many people charged with murder. Dr. Heller, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Murders and violence are, unfortunately, almost common events, so much of it seems so dramatic as well, such as shooting in malls and in schools. Where or how do people even begin to understand these events?
1: Talking and everybody's looking for some, type, some sort of an answer. But if we're staying just with the schools, be it high school or colleges, I think what we're looking for is that these people don't have established senses of I- sense of identity, that they do not know who they are. And they also talk about not having a sense of boundaries, black and white thinking, where it's either on or off. And if there's no gray area there's no alternative and uh, the only answer is murder or suicide and um, this is what we see whether it was in Columbine or uh, Northern Illinois or Virginia Tech something sets somebody
0: off You, you use the word boundaries what do you mean by that
1: a person who is autonomous as a healthy human being has to be able to handle anxiety momentary times of when they go into anxiety, or they have a anger, or they have depression. And if you have no boundaries to be able to remain autonomous, even when the stress is on, you will begin to act out. Floyd talked about ego boundaries, but I'm talking about a person who just cannot maintain themselves in, as an autonomous individual, because they have no real sense of identity. But that you're going to find in high school students and college students in general, because they're just establishing that sense of identity. But some have more control than others. Most have more control than others.
0: Is it something that we can predict? Is it something that we can identify in advance?
1: I think there are some things that we can predict in terms of violence. Uh, But a lot of people don't come forward when they see something because people don't believe it, that it will really happen. And since I did the Camacho case where the man killed his two kids and set fire to his house, I am becoming more and more reality-based that things do happen, even with nice people, regular, everyday people. They don't come from some island of evil.
0: Can you give us a little bit of a very brief synopsis of that case so people can understand what what struck you as being so uh, helpful to you?
1: Well, I did the custody evaluation. I knew that the husband was a Mr. Mom, but he also disliked his wife. She had a real job where she needed friend benefit to pay for the cardiac problem of, her, of their son. So he was like a mechanic, and he was home most of the time taking care of the kids, just taking the school, taking the tutoring, taking the doctors, and he really loved his kids, and he disliked the wife. They so had a lot of trouble. So my, I anticipated that he did not like her, and may hurt her but when i recommended that custody go to her and he could not have it all he picked up the children around christmas time telling the wife that he was taking them to target to buy him christmas presents in fact he just took them home where all the windows was, were nailed down and he killed the daughter he stabbed her about seven times and then he set fire to the house he had uh, gasoline set up all around the house where everything was so hot That the computers melted, and the son died from inhalation poison, of inhalation of the fumes. The daughter died from the knife wound trying to get out of the house, and he ultimately died because of the inhalation.
0: It sounds so premeditated.
1: It was, because you could not have it all.
0: So can, can we take that? I don't know how, how far we can ex- expand this, and I want to be careful that we don't overdo it, but when we hear the things like up at the uh, Columbine or Virginia Tech or recently in North Illinois, uh, there seems to be some planning involved here, but it's frightening. It is frightening, but I think that some guidance counselors and teachers
1: should be more sensitive to this. And I think, like, let's just take the example of Northern Illinois. okay. This is a man that was going for his masters in social work. Yes. Now, that's a hard degree to obtain, and supposedly he was a good student. But then he drops out for a year. He fills his arms up with, with tattoos, and he buys four guns, three pistols and a rifle. Now, if something is going on. Why is he starting to identify with the people that he wanted to help, which was in prison reform? But now he's looking to for violence and nobody's talking about it they're talking about the fact that he stopped taking prozac for a few weeks but it, i think it's giving prozac a bad name because i don't think prozac had anything to do with it some doctor may have given him prozac because he may have been depressed because something happened to him either with these kinds of murder suicide somebody had may have taken away an academic uh, award or he did not get the job that he wanted He felt slighted. And then he takes a gun into the school, and why does he go into that particular classroom or auditorium, and why does he just start shooting, and then he takes his own life? I think he anticipated to take his own life, but he was out to get somebody. He was angry. Angry to make a point? I think that one of the teachers, his girlfriend, or somebody been more cognizant of some of the changes in his behavior, but people don't believe in a sense of denial that, oh, well, he was a good student, he's not going to do anything. But when they saw him get the tattoos, which is unlike him, and buy four guns,
0: something sort of their interest in this, and something's going on. So there was a mental illness of sorts. It's not the typical sort of schizophrenia or hallucinatory problem. It's it's much more subtle, much more right. psychological. Yes, it is. But, but just as dangerous.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think that he had a sense of identity. I, I think he was establishing himself as an autonomous individual who wanted to save the prison system but another problem is it the black and white thinking perhaps he was very frustrated with the system and you and I have worked with the forensic system and it's very frustrating with the judges with lawyers with the prison system with mentally ill people in and out of rotating through the prison system but we take our successes piece by piece because if we take it that we're gonna solve this whole problem we're gonna be very depressed We, we take our fulfillment in pieces as opposed to, you know, we save the justice system. And he may have been naive. He was in his 20s. He didn't have an established identity. He was not autonomous. And it was black and white, and someone slighted him, and he just felt like killing, and it was a murder-suicide.
0: You were also involved in the Nathaniel Brazil case a number of years ago, a young man who took a gun to school and shot the teacher. Right. Do a lot of these concepts, these, these um, outlines in your mind apply to him as well?
1: Yes, Nathaniel uh, misinterpreted a teacher. Nathaniel was a good kid, and this is the kind of kid that a teacher may pick on. As an example, they were having a, a water fight, a water balloon fight, on the last day of school. He was in seventh grade. It's the last day. It's in the morning. He had just taken pictures with Mr. Grunel. Everybody's happy, but he's throwing water balloons. The assistant, um, the assistant principal comes out and sees Nathaniel throwing the water balloon. He's not going to pick on the kid that's going to give him a hard time. He picks on Nathaniel. He says, you're suspended for the rest of the school year. When Nathaniel figured he's suspended for eighth grade, not for the next three hours, a more streetwise kid would say, yeah, good, I'm leaving. So he ran to his mother's house, but she wasn't home. He ran to his aunt. She wasn't available. He ran to his aunt's place of work. She wasn't there. He was continually getting frustrated, which was building a sense of, of what am I going to do? How, I'm going I'm to shame my mother. His mother had just had um, breast surgery. He thought she was going to die, and he wanted to make her proud. And now he's, gotta, he's not going to go to eighth grade. Somehow there was a gun available. He put it in his pocket. He approached Mr. Gruno and they had an argument that he wanted to say goodbye to some of the kids in the class. And then he took the gun out, not intending to shoot him, but just to threaten. He says, you want to make something of it? Mr. Gruno thought it was a toy gun. And then the gun went off because the, the safety wasn't on. So it's, he's a 13-year-old kid, immature, frustrated, angry, confused. And then he gave himself up to the police. So he, there is no identity. Mm-hmm. That's why you, you can't charge 13-year-olds as adults. He wasn't thinking things through. He had no boundaries. If he did, he'd never take a gun out. He'd never take a gun to school, knowing that it's dangerous. So that's where it falls apart. That the boundaries are missing. The, the the autonomy of being able to control yourself when you're very angry or when you're you're frustrated. And they didn't have it. Same thing with Mr. Benair. He did the same thing. He had no boundary. He was going to. He was angry at that person, and he takes a gun to the synagogue
0: so it's it's very interesting because then it seems that when the shooters went to the malls in virginia tech and so on there they came with a very different motivation the right. the the brazil case was more spontaneous and more oh can we go so far as to say immature
1: well they justify their own motivation they justify it the Ku Klux Klan justifies murder uh, because they're racist and they're winning they're the world he didn't have felt the same way. He
0: justified his own motivation. So, in, in the in the course of the many years and the many people whom you've examined in in, in great detail who have been charged with and committed murder, right. uh, the sense of the boundaries, or I guess the question is what, and and you've touched on this, but what happens that l- allows them to go from. No, 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 I'm saying this very backwards, and I'm sorry. Yeah. What, what, what allows them to pick the gun up and do something as horrific as shooting someone, and do they, do they not understand what they're doing and the effects of their behaviors?
1: Well, sometimes they don't understand what they're doing, but they're not guilty by reason of insanity is, is a very small part of the defense. But everybody has a different makeup of different factors. And first of all, there's a gun available. Second of all, they have some skewed idea that it's okay to kill someone because they may have dishonored them, like in, in Mr. Benea's case. In the Gasparetti case, she was going to kill herself and then the baby because she was being t- tracked down and felt suicide was the only way out. the a black and white thinking, and they get to a point of desperation. Uh, a, a young woman recently, she did not want to turn 45, she a juvenile diabetic, and she just killed herself but that was her motivation did not want to go forward they everyone has an idiosyncratic plan of their own life and their own perception but if they have support if they have some sense of fulfillment in their life they may have more autonomy and greater boundaries
0: there's also been a lot of talk that the presence of mental illness is associated with violence but then it goes to a more refined discussion that the violence is not necessarily associated with mental illness, right. but it also is more associated with untreated mental illness. Right. And we, of course, suffer from very significant problems That's in right. our society in getting adequate treatment. Do you, do you think- Well, from the
1: other angle, um, mentally ill people are associated with violence, when not necessarily. That's true. So every time you see a headline, mentally your person shoots everybody. All, all crazy people are going to be killing people. That's not necessarily
0: true. That's so true. I know the MacArthur Violence Risk Assessment Study, which was in nineteen ninety eight, yeah. was discussing this, and there's been a lot of controversy about the accuracy of its data. At least it's brought it up to full discussion. Right. Do, do you? You know, there's also a lot of discussion now about. Uh, whether people with diagnoses, a mental illness diagnosis, should be allowed to buy guns. Now, I don't expect you to be the politician on this, but do you have any any feelings about this? I think we need to be very careful and vigilant about who buys guns. Yeah, because I, I recognize in a statistic that um, I read that there was something like 290 or 300 million guns in this country. It's yeah. a phenomenal number. Right. Now, do you think that some of these people, and again, this is speculative, but some of these people would be more inclined or less inclined to uh, kill if they didn't have a gun, if it was a matter of perhaps using a knife? Or am I, am I being off the mark on this? The
1: Brazil wouldn't have had a gun it was available.
0: And that whole thing might not have happened.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, they make the argument that guns don't kill people, people do. I, I think there would be a gun to too available, and uh, well, that'll be true in any situation. If there happened to be a knife available and someone is very upset and they can't deal with the rage, who, because if they don't have the autonomy at the a boundary, they may use it. But I think making gun too available is
0: going to cause more and more murder. Do you think that there's any association between the amount of violence that's in the media or the amount of violence that's, that's seen in video games? Are they culprits in this um, situation at all? Well, modeling
1: is very, is very true. After a while, you get tired of the video game and you may want to try it on yourself. And some people have been saying that when they do shoot people in the mall it's almost like they're really in a game.
0: That's very scary.
1: Yeah, and I think Columbine, some of those kids felt the same way. It was a game. They detached themselves from the actual reality and the gravity of a situation
0: until it's too late. When when you are asked to interview or evaluate someone who was charged with and, and perhaps actually did commit a murder, what are the sort of things that you need to walk away with? You, you spoke about boundaries. What right. other things do you look for?
1: Well, you look at their history they had problems uh, being oppositional in school at home if they were good students bad students if they had a sense that they were developing an identity so you look at their history you also look at their clinical presentation sometimes they have a personality disorder borderline personality um or they are simply um antisocial and what kind of milieu did they come from? Did they come from a very destabilized area where there was no father in the home, there was no direction? Was there any church involved in their life? Was there a strong mother figure in the home? Did, did there was a lot of fighting in the home, but did they see violence in, in, in the house? Or were any of their parents involved with criminal activity? Were they involved in any organization? Were there any, were there any pro-social things that they did? Did they work for Habitat for Humanity or did they work for the Red Cross? Or did they work for a youth group in the church. This is all important. Or are there any destabilizers right now in their life or at the time that the incident
0: occurred? A lot of time people refer to these uh, these criminals, the people who have been charged, as sociopaths or antisocial personalities. Are these fair labels?
1: Well, the antisocial personality is in the DSM, the diagnostic statistics.
0: Is, is it as common as people think that if someone commits murder, they are an antisocial personality, or is that too simplistic?
1: No. According to Robert Hare, who wrote the book on antisocial personalities or psychopaths, every Ted Bundy, there's 50,000 antisocial personalities who will not kill. Okay. But they will sell bad stock, or they'll get into Ponzi schemes, or they'll just steal or, or do something against society but they, they probably
0: will, will not kill one of the most important questions and we're going to be running out of time in just a minute or so and I think it's it's if I can say it's the take home question mm-hmm. is and again sir you, you've been very thorough and, and we've looked at a lot of issues but what it, with your experience what is the most important thing that we can do to reduce or hopefully prevent these, these horrific bursts of violence to get
1: rid of education get rid of some of the stereotypes and
0: be sensitive to what people may do does that require like training or or, or is that the responsibility of the high school teacher the parent again we we're we we're, we're hungry for answers here because we ever it seems a, a couple times a year There's one of these horrific shootings
1: I, I think what happened in the new york times when they covered the northern illinois massacre i mean that five or six kids were killed is they right away jump to Prozac because they're looking for an answer. Okay. The truth is we don't have a definite answer yet. But I think they should have had an educational section for people to learn to be concerned and they should bring the information to some sort of clearing house so we can gather information that we may have a dangerous person to consider and go to the mental health unit. I know we have problems with HIPAA and confidentiality, but we need to protect the community at large. So, education is the first thing. Getting rid of all the guns is another problem. But I think education is the first one.
0: I agree with you, sir, and I must. Thank you very much for joining us. Obviously, this is an enormously complex and yeah. an equally enormously important issue in our society. Dr. Heller is a psychologist in Boca Raton, Florida. His life experiences have taken him into very close contact with numerous cases of, of people with, in which murder and other violence has have occurred and we benefit from his literally face to face or hands on experience. Dr. Heller, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have thank you for day. having me. You're welcome, sir. Bye bye.